Hello, and thank you for joining this episode of This Is Just a Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Just a few quick reminders before we get started with this episode. Uh, Not only can you listen to the podcast on Spotify, but we're also available on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, That being said, if you're on Facebook, please head over to our Facebook group at This Is Just a Phase for updates on current and past episodes, as well as touring schedules from bands being featured, uh, uh, touring updates, uh, merch opportunities, and whatever else we feel like putting up on the site. If Facebook isn't your thing, we also have a TikTok page at This Is Just a Phase, uh, where I don't post as frequently, but a lot of the same information is up on there. Um, Also, uh, if you would like to contact me directly, uh, either with a question or concern, or if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, you can do so by emailing me at thisisjustaphasepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's thisisjustaphasepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're into some awesome punk rock music, please head over to thisisjustarecordlabel.bandcamp.com and check out the brand new release from Ontario, Canada's own Elephant. Their self-titled debut full length is available over there for $10 plus shipping. Um, Also, uh, great releases from Dave Strong, The Prozacs, The Plan Bs, Letters, and Gatlin, as well as three amazing compilations. Um, I'm a little partial considering I co-own the label with Mike Rotemoyer, but that being said, I think what we do is pretty awesome, and you should check out our bands and our comps as well. Uh, That being said, Jay, let's go. And you've got no self-esteem There's a hole inside your head With no vision to be seen Let's go Let's go Let's go Every day wake up with the same old This deep and insightful episode, I get the honor of chatting with folk artist Tim Nave, or the artist known as Tim. We chat about his roots in the Appalachian region of Tennessee, growing up in the church and its strict guidelines, how he discovered music from his dad's hidden cassette tape collection, and how he eventually discovered punk rock and his time playing in bands. We also discuss recording and playing on his own after a 10-year hiatus, his relationship with Katsulu Productions, coming to terms with his upbringing, his relationship with his parents, religion in general, and most importantly, how to heal himself and others with the power of music. This was a really powerful interview, and I hope you really enjoy the feel and overall message that it brings. So sit back grab some Tennessee whiskey, and enjoy this episode of This Is Just a Phase. Here's a track from Tim called Boomerang. Enjoy. Whether a sunny day, rain or snow, ready or not, he's out the door, he's Alongside a stony creek, he's running. Ooh, 
in the woods at night, but not scared at all. When the walls close in, the distance the valleys are running. Ooh, a little boomerang. You can walk the trail for a few states. Only ten years old, never feel safe. He's a running. Ooh, too much to change. Cause I too Tim, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Sorry, the 4G webmat was cutting in and out, so I switched to Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. <laughs> no problem. You, everything okay on your end? Uh, I can hear you. If you can hear me, then I guess we're good. Okay, good. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, I just recently uh, found out about you uh, from a mutual friend of ours. And, um, I honest to God, I, I listened to your stuff and I'm a big fan and it, it kind of got me out of my normal, uh, wheelhouse of what I listened to. And, um, I was really excited to dive into your stuff and, um, I guess we could call you, you just consider yourself folk. Yeah, that's the, the genre I've just been going with because it allows me to kind of mess with the acoustic instruments quite a bit without being, um, um, yes, genre, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you're from the uh, Appalachian region of Tennessee. Where exactly are you? Uh, probably about 30 minutes outside of North Carolina and Virginia. I'm up, if you look at Tennessee and pretend like it's a knife, I'm up in the very tip top of it. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The culture's more similar. Honestly, the culture's more similar to uh, North Carolina than it is Tennessee. Okay, okay. Um, and did you did you grow up in that area? Like, uh, what what was your background? Yeah, I was growing. I raised in a place called Stony Creek, outside of Elizabeth and uh, Carter County, the bigger area. Oh, okay. And uh, growing up, um, like, what led you down the path to um, make the kind of music that you make? The the acoustic folk aspect was that always present in your life, or did you find it a natural progression as you got older? Uh, well. Yeah, the, the acoustic guitar was always um, it was always kind of my go to whenever I wasn't making loud, obnoxious music. And so <laughs> I've only yeah, so I've only recently got back into the uh, acoustic music as a means to to play out. But it's it, I've always loved uh, the lower key stuff as well. And what what is with the name the artist known as Tim? Did you find that that would be more fun to play with the name than just going by your 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 given name? Yeah, that's the short of it. There's there's all kinds of uh, convoluted explanations for it, all the way to uh, Prince reference. You could use the uh, the Monty Python reference, and you could use a little bit of ego death if you want to get into psychedelics. But the truth of it is, they're all true. But mm-hmm. I mean, 
I just also like the idea of having something that didn't represent just me, you know, a little, I like to sell t-shirts and stuff and having my name on someone's shirt always seems sort of narcissistic in my mind, even if that was just my own preference. So I thought if I could give them a cool logo, then I could worry about the imagery instead and not worry so much about my name. Not so much about your name. Oh, that's cool. Uh, let, so let's kind of dive into um, childhood, how you got into music, um, how you uh, how you got into, um, you know, punk and uh, what led you down the, the course of uh, making the music that you make now. Uh, well, I got into uh, I got into, I guess, what you call like church basement punk. Uh, because really the only thing that I was kind of acceptable to listen to was like praise and worship music and old hymns in the house that I was raised in. Okay. So of course, uh, the the very first times that I started hearing uh, some punk rock music and stuff, you know, I was very drawn to it because it was very unstructured and uh, very aggressive, you know. Mm-hmm. But were you getting into the, the, the Christian punk bands like MXPX and like, uh, this, the, like the Supertones? Yeah, that was my first introduction. I mean, I got outside of that a little bit later on and started getting to, into the non-Christian stuff, too. But, uh, yeah, it was MXPX. So it was, uh, uh, God, the, the biggest one. I can't remember the name now. Uh, but there was, a, there was a whole slew of them. It was uh, the, the Christian punk music was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. So you probably would have got exposed to, like, uh, MXPX, the Huntington's, like, you know, like 90 Pound West, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was very familiar with the uh the church punk scene then grew out of it a lot of that was uh wasn't really thanks to warp tour but thanks to warp tour back in the early days when you would see a a lot of very small bands playing the smaller generator stages but that kind of faded over time mm-hmm. now were you were you playing like as you got older did you did you find yourself playing in in punk bands as well like what kind of scene was going on local to you uh uh, I was very active and I guess just the all around punk rock and metal scene, but I was never successful. Okay. So you just kind of played in like local, local bands didn't really do much of anything with those bands. Uh, we were very, uh, you know, never, uh, it, it was always more escapism and as serious as everybody in the band could take it. We were really usually all just, really wanted an escape and so if you're not operating a band uh, with intention behind it it's very unlikely it's going to take off and you know it was always more fun than anything and that's i guess that's why you know we might have just straight all sucked too that's a very high likability too but mm. now um do, have you always played guitar have you did you delve into any other kind of uh, musical instruments growing up uh <laughs> I think I I used to drag my my dad's guitar out of the closet. It was like a twelve string with the strings high off. I used to play like a dulcimer with pencils. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was more of like a percussionist. I always liked drums and stuff because I could uh, you can you can play drums on the table, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I, I kind of fell into the guitar more of a necessity around probably when I was about fourteen or fifteen. Uh, just because, you know, like I didn't want to do a Phil Collins or the guy from Cowboy Mouth and play from the, the drum set. I wanted to be, uh, able to control the chord structure too. Okay. And, um, what were some of your influences when you were, when you were starting out playing guitar? Was it, was it punk rock? Was it music that you were getting influenced by your parents? Like what, what was kind of coming under your radar at that time? Uh, well, my dad had a secret set of cassette tapes. <laughs> that he didn't know we knew about, you know, because nobody was allowed to listen to the cool music except for him. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, we found some 45s and uh, I, I didn't know all the music of individual bands, but I knew at least one song of a lot of artists. Because there was a couple of 80s bands that I really dug back in the day, but it was usually um, I, I didn't have any influences that were cool. I'll be honest. Like I didn't get introduced to like Black Sabbath until I was in my 20s. Uh, didn't hear Pink Floyd till I was in my twenties, that sort of thing. But uh, I did know what the genre sounded like. You just knew what individual songs sounded like. You didn't really worry yeah. about what was what was rock, what was country, what was. Yeah, I, I knew that the, there was a. I knew La Bamba, <laughs> and I knew uh, Ario <laughs> Speedwagon, whatever's on a side A and B. I want to know what love is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> 
So when did you when did you decide to start um, working under the name the artist known as Tam? Um, and when did you decide just to kind of do things on your own? A uh, couple months before COVID hit, probably. Oh, really? Now, was that like, did you find it kind of odd that you decided to do that? And then COVID, you would have all this time to create music on your own? Yeah. And I felt like it happened to a lot of people. Like I keep running into that same story where somebody was like, yeah, right around the time COVID, I decided to make a 180 and do a lot of things different. And, uh, and I quit music probably for, for close to a decade at that point, just because I was uh, very demoralized and wasn't a happy person. But then I just kind of decided to take all these little tunes because, you know, I'm sure other other musicians can testify that, you know, just because you stop writing doesn't mean the music doesn't the music doesn't stop. So I had this just mess of music still left in my head. So I started uh, using the ability to kind of fish these tunes out of my head and, and solidify them as a means to fill my time. Until one day I was like, oh, I've got quite a few little folk tunes here. I could probably throw together an album, and that would be a way to waste time, too. Yeah. And, and were you influenced by uh, other folk artists or other folk punk artists like Tim Barry and, like, uh, Chuck Rager? Or, like, were you influenced, too, by, like, uh, like uh, Woody Guthrie and artists like that? Uh, no, I actually don't know those names. <laughs> you don't know those names. Oh, I'll write okay. them down and check them out, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim Barry was with a band called Avell out of Virginia. Tim Barry. I'll write that down. Tim Barry. And then there's uh, Chuck Rager. He was in a uh, band called Hot Water Music out of Florida. Oh, okay. I'm more familiar with the name Hot Water Music, but I didn't. Okay. You still there? I, th- I, think, I, meant, I think I lost you. Yeah, I'm here. I can hear you. Oh, oh okay. Good. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with hot water music, but I didn't know the name of the individual guy. Chuck. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, he just, he just does stuff up on his acoustic stuff. He does solo. Okay, cool. It's kind of like uh, yeah. is that City and Color, which was the guy from Alexis on Fire, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's yeah, City and Color. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to go over. I mean, your your discography real quick. Um, you put sure. out a single called Boomerang in 2020, and then you did a. a uh, uh, two EP set, uh, Bitter as Hell one and Bitter as Hell part two. Um, these songs that I that I've been just getting into, you know, praying for rain and boomerang and life's not fair, but I love you. Uh, Bitter as Hell, Southern by the Grace, and in the pieces, it boomerang. I mentioned boomerang earlier. Um, you kind of go through. The natural progression from you. I mean, you grew up with religion. You grew up, you know, getting into Christian music early on. Um, your songs definitely convey that sort of a church feeling. You had mentioned earlier that you were influenced by that by 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 going to church and, and religion overall. Yeah, but you also delve into uh, talking about becoming a man. You know, not re- not not following footsteps of you know of, of a father or of a father figure and just you're kind of conveying almost like a sense of maturity sense of like growth um writing almost like a very autobiographical feeling of just growing up and becoming you know an older man yeah um i mean i don't like to pedestalize my my work and, and make it pretentious or anything but like it's it's not like my my process for putting this out has been very much a uh, just a means of how can I make myself better, you know. Mm-hmm. So like you know, um, you know, I'm not saying like any. I'm not trying to put that above other forms of music because like I hadn't intended to get back into music. I was just trying to find a, it was like therapy, but you know there was you know some people out there that kind of connected with it, and so I you know decided to you know put it out there more. And definitely, and like I, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't saying that I, I thought there was any pretensions behind it. I actually, felt no, no, very... that, that's me. That's that's always just uh, my first <laughs> thought is like I'll, I'll find artists, including myself, can be very pretentious about their work, you know. And I just don't want people thinking that I think this is gold. It's just I think it's genuine. That would be the difference, yeah. you know. Yeah, it definitely comes across as genuine, and like I said, it definitely. It definitely it, it sounds humble, and, and, it, and it sounds autobiographical in that your 
telling the story. I mean, the thing with folk music is always the same. Like you're conveying, you know, why I like folk music and why I do like country music, especially older country is the storytelling aspect of it. Um, even if it's from the first person point of view, if you're singing about what you're living through and what you're going through, I like that sense of thing because as a person going through the same things, you can lock into that and it's almost like you're hearing your story unfold as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, um, if if it's real, I think, um, even if it's not something someone's been through, they can relate just for the fact that they can hear someone else's perspective. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be in a car crash, but if someone tells me in a very convincing way, they can put me there and I can remember the time I had another situation, you know, that banged me up. I just want to go over, we can go over your two EPs and, and talk about some other stuff before I let you go. Sure, sure. Um, uh, I like, I like, I love the song Praying for Rain. It's probably one of my favorite songs by you. Um, oh. I listened to it multiple times and I just, it's one of those songs that you can, like you just kind of get taken away by. Uh, can you, can you explain a little bit more about that song? Yeah, that's uh that's honestly one of the more personal ones. Like, uh, it's uh, just kind of the story about how uh, we have a town. I don't mean to take too, you know, giant of a of a dump on my hometown or anything like that. But like, I grew up in the '80s, and uh, I don't know, like a town that was run by churches, but like it wasn't like they were all crazy. I happened to go to a church where they took things a little too seriously. And since it was a very churchy town, uh, nothing ever seemed like it was too crazy, you know? Mm. So all the red flags would be ignored that, uh, you know, anything was amidst. Uh, but without going too much into the, you know, the, the craziness of that one individual church, uh, 
it's just kind of the story of how for some reason this entire town like back in the 80s decided that it was easier to pray for their children than to actually take care of them mm. and uh it kind of sent a lot of people that i know into a uh like a very self-destructive lifestyle of just thrill seeking and so oh. what we started doing when i was younger like all the way back before i could even drive is there's mountain fires around the appalachian area at least you know once a year, at least somewhere close enough where you can drive and go see uh, something really, really incredible, but really awful at the same time, you know, and we got a lot of learning experiences by just trying to get as close as we could to those fires. And uh, that kind of like, a, I don't know, kind of created a, a bunch of little daredevils uh, because we didn't, we weren't allowed to do anything, you know, like um, when you're allowed to do anything, one day you suddenly just start doing, you know, the most dangerous stuff you can. You know, and that was the kind of like the first uh, kind of the first weird thing we got into was fire chasing. Okay, like you were like you were almost just like overprotected to the point that you guys felt that you could do anything that you were indestructible because, you know, you any other time you were being told what to do, you were being controlled. And, you know, you know, parents parents have the right to do that but sometimes it's like it like almost stifles your growth a little bit because it's your natural it's your natural being to be inquisitive and want to want to understand things so kind of rebelling and and going to do that kind of thing makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways yeah totally it's uh yeah like an imbalance like uh when you're not allowed to do anything like uh you're not even allowed to you know watch the same tv shows as other people um, you know, um, it's, you know, first chance you have to do something, you know, you're going, it's, it's, it's too, it's too, um, uh, it's too tempting when you have the opportunity to finally do something exciting. And so, uh, you know, when that opportunity never arises, you start finding opportunities. No, absolutely. Um, another song off of, uh, uh, I was actually off of bitter as hell part two, uh, the self-titled song, uh, also love Southern by the grace and in the pieces as well. But I really could, I don't know, I was really, like, really drawn by Bitter as Hell in the messages you were talking about, about not wanting to become the typical way that older people become, becoming bitter, becoming resentful, becoming angry, um, just repeating the cycle almost, you know what I mean? Like, you're as you grow up, the one thing you always do as a kid is like, well, I'm not going to be like my father. I'm not going to be like my mother. I'm not going to be like this person. And it just, I don't know, like I could really relate to that a lot about it almost, it had that feeling of being like not re not repeating the cycle as an adult. Yeah, it was, um, uh, that song is kind of like a based on what is the title track of the whole album, because it kind of, I, I tried to sum it all up with that one album that if you don't have the, uh, the aha moment that maybe a lot of the dumb crap that keeps happening to you is your fault. Then, you know, you're, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that I could just, I had that vision in my head that as bitter as I was getting about everything that one day I literally would probably be on having in the middle of nowhere by myself, just mad at everybody. Cause you know, like I see myself 40 years in the future, you know, mad at everybody still. And, that's a, an absurd way to live if you can change it. But it's just, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people don't have the aha moment to realize that they don't have to go down like that, you know? Yeah, I, I went through that seven, several years ago myself where I was trying to come to terms a lot about my relationship with my parents and, you know, the good parts of the relationship, but a lot of the bad stuff about our relationship. And I kind of had that aha moment that you speak of, like going, well, I can be mad at them for this, this, and this, or I can be mad because they weren't like so-and-so's parents. But at the end of the day, maybe I wasn't equal to what they expected me to be. So I'm kind of putting that expectation on them, maybe the same way they were putting it on me, whereas they didn't live up to the standards that I wanted, but at the same time, like I had to let them be who they are. And just kind of accept them for as their faults and, and uh, you know, as much as their they're good qualities. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, um, kind of um, one of the, the religious connections that I do have is I'm trying to um, find some value 
you know, and all the things. Cause I was really bitter about the Bible. Uh, but then, you know, I started reading it again after I, you know, after I got rid of it and I uh, was trying to find something in there that was just, you know, just truth that I could find in there. And I found Ecclesiastes and I really liked that book. Uh, but one of the other messages that kind of rang true was, you know, whether or not you like the character of Jesus or not, if you don't learn, learn to forgive people, uh, you, you know, you basically are just going to spend your entire life burning bridges for no reason, because just as many times that people have hurt you, you've hurt other people and they keep putting up with your ass. You know, you, you need to I don't know, forgiveness is, you know, like I was a philosophical kind of like conundrum I put myself through because it's like once you realize it's actually something you do for yourself that then helps the community as a whole. Um, I felt like maybe that can help people come to terms with the idea of forgiving others, you know, including yeah, themselves. Yeah, and it's really hard, like, when you come from the punk scene and you come from the hardcore scene, it's 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 all about being angry yeah. and about being hostile and all these different things. But at the end of the day, you get older and, like, you start to find yourself being remorseful or understanding more and try to be like, oh, well, when I was, you know, I'm not 18 anymore. Like, I don't want to keep feeling the way I did at 18. Like, I'd like to find some sort of peace. I'd like to be able to find some sort of growth within myself, you know, because being angry all the time is is very isolating. Oh, yeah, it is. You know, yeah, and, it, you know, so sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say people, because uh, if you're angry all the time, people don't want to be around you and you don't understand why. But who wants to be around angry people, you know? Yeah, other angry people. That's who. Yeah. I, you know, there you go. But you know what? It was. It was just. I don't know. I really, I really found a connection to that song. You know. You know. I like. I said. I. I loved all the tracks I listened to, but I was really drawn to that one, especially because I definitely had a connection to that song. And I don't know. Like going through that several years ago. And you know what? And it, I was at the time I was approaching forty, and. You know, and I was coming under the realization that I have grow. I know I have, you know, teenagers now and, you know, and I don't want them to enter in their 20s as being so angry and pissed off, too. I was like, so maybe if I find my shit, if I figure out my shit, why I'm so angry over my shit, then maybe I could help them when they're going through the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like but if you can help somebody avoid falling in the same pitfalls that you fell in, why would you not? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure our parents, if they would have had somebody doing that to our parents, then maybe that cycle would have been broken then. But at some point, like, somebody has to step up and be like, you know what? Let me pump the brakes and let me stop this before this is going to go any further. And how can maybe, maybe my healing can help future generations of healing and not have to go through those rough spots like we did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going through the uh, I'm going through the slow process of uh, making amends with my parents and everything right now because like I have to come to terms with a lot of points that like you know you know people do the best they can you know that that was who they were at this point in time and mm -hmm. uh, that that's a weird one uh, but it's just it's just a process that you have to go through because if you if you uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not like they were, uh, it's not like I grew up in the Manson family or something. It was just a very weird situation. So I have to look back on, um, back on, on that time period and just remember how weird the eighties really were here in Appalachia. Yeah. <laughs> this funny was a feeling teacher, county schools, elementary. Her kids could be unruly, but she did her best each week. Today she had an exercise to occupy her plans Got a job would you like to have and why if I may ask Well there were astronauts and some nurses so she talked of college degrees A teacher and some preachers and an internet celebrity One peculiar answer, hold on, she almost said she had to let it pass for now, but it echoed in her head And he said, I think I might grow up to be a liar A poor man with nothing more than stories to sell I think I might grow up and build a 
Talk in front of everyone Did she understand him That she heard what he said Repeating politics From the older kids He said I think I might go up to be a liar A poor man With nothing more than stories To sell I think I might go up And build a cabin in the mountains mad at my dad for and i hope he never hears this he never will but i was always mad at my dad for like the 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 consumerism aspect of things which was probably a big driving force in my like anti-corporate punk thing because it's like they were so easy to sell to it's like we didn't have hard we we didn't have a lot of stuff but by god we had workout equipment that they didn't use and they had timeshares that they didn't visit and they had real estate courses that they didn't work in and it just always made me so mad how easy they were to sell crap to well, that was the time, the 80s was the time of, like, mass, mass capitalism, you know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, all these people that were born, you know, after the war, they had all these jobs, they had all these mill jobs and all these, you know, you know, thriving positions. All the unions were booming and great. All these things were, were excelling. You had Reaganomics and all that stuff, so... You know, people were making good money. So when people were making good money, it was, of course, easy to to sell them because it's not like now where we're going through the recession that we're going through. You know, it's like the 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 line from, you know, Wall Street, you know, greed is good. You know, business is good. Good. Greed is good. You know. Yeah, they got sold on. uh, It's like. They didn't have money though. I guess was the point. Like my dad had a, he had like a piano string job. My my mom, well my my mom originally she had a factory job too. But then she had left. My stepmom came in. She had like a school lunch job. Uh, but like I said, it's like it wasn't like they weren't feeding us. And I'm not even blaming them for any of that stuff. It's just like we didn't have like a lot of stuff that was nice or anything. And so instead of just not spending that money on a set of princess Diana plates from the QVC network. So we, you know, you just we're on like free lunch program at the school. And it's like, yeah. you guys could probably like, I don't know. It's, and it's not like they were the only ones doing that, which is why I'm not mad at them for it. Like there was everybody's parents in the eighties, especially in this part of Appalachia was doing it because like all this crap was suddenly introduced to them on TV and they couldn't help but buy all this stuff. And it just kind of created this like deep, like deep hatred inside of me for like sales and marketing and anything that came from a massive business full of people where you didn't know who the owner was. Mm. See, like I'm not too far from, 
the mountain range up in the northern part. I'm in the I'm in the western part of Pennsylvania, uh, eastern part of Ohio, like right on the border. Okay. So um, a lot of the same stuff happened up here. It, it just wasn't your area. Like I know, like when you're growing up, you're like, "Why is this happening by my, to my area?" But it was happening all over the place. Oh, I'm sure I've been up yeah. to uh, Cambridge and Akron and places like that, and it's you know the. You you scoop that right up there with the pill epidemic right up with us. So oh yeah yeah the pill epidemic the heroin epidemic the just you know the the, the loss of industrial jobs and um you know coal mining jobs and stuff like that like it just we all got swallowed up you know that the the same the same era the same time you know yeah it was pretty rough for us all man. And, and I guess that's kind of my, my big message there is like I'm trying to understand or, or try to eventually understand that, like, um, you know, if you even your parents couldn't have been perfect, they were they were going to be exactly who they were. And, uh, you know, like you don't you don't need to waste their old age and your middle age fighting with them when you could now have a relationship with some people instead of being mad about stuff that happened years ago, you know. Exactly. And that's where mine came in. I, me and my daughter had a conversation because my daughter was mad at me for shit when she was younger. And I said, "Hun, when you were born, I was 24 years old. I made a lot of mistakes when you were young. I was a kid. Ra- I was a kid raising kids. You know what? Like eventually, like as I got older, of course, I got better at being a father because I'm growing up too. you know what? If, if you blaming me for things that I did in my 20s. Now that I'm in my 40s, that would be like me blaming you for stuff that you did when you were three. That wouldn't be fair to roll that over. I mean, we have to kind of look at that the same way as our parents. Our parents were young when they were raising us. They didn't have everything figured out. You know, you don't have anything figured out until your kids are grown. And then like, oh, now it makes fucking sense now. Now I understand what I'm going through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so I hope to get through that process at some point in time. But since I'm a musician, the only way I can really do it is to <laughs> put it in audio form and keep putting them out, you know? Yeah. And you'll get there. Like, I'm still a process, too. You know what I mean? I'm still going through it. It's a it's a long process. But as long as we have the drive to want to keep going with it, then, then we'll be successful in the end, man. I really think a lot of, um, and I don't know, maybe it's uh, like a meta- like, um, uh, well, of course, you know, getting older and stuff too. I've not fully, fully come to terms with the whole concept of religion and all that stuff. I'm trying to take care of human stuff first. Always uh, take care of human you know, stuff. To, yeah, yeah. Trying to, you know, trying to figure out how to get along with people before I try to figure out the universe and all that other stuff. Um, oh, hell, I forgot what I was going to say. But I think that's the most important part is, you know, like, you know, forgiveness. Is, I guess my biggest key there is trying to figure out like the, the, I feel like the world in general has embraced the idea that we don't have to forgive anybody that, that, that everything is unforgivable and you're allowed to be bitter for the rest of your life and, and burn every bridge. Cause that's a famous thing. We're going to burn the bridge to light the way. And it's like, man, y'all are going to be on an Island by yourselves. It's just going to mm. be a whole group of people it's just gonna be hundreds of thousands of people in their their bedrooms streaming to other people who are streaming by themselves and it just seems like such a lonely future that if i can get a couple of people out there that like they don't need to do that mm-hmm. that's a whole it's a really lonely future to look forward to because i've already done it yep i totally i, I totally I'm, I'm right there with you my man but before I let you go, Tim, real quick, I want to I want to chat with you how you got connected with uh, Paul Neal from uh, Cthulhu Records. Uh, uh, during during COVID lockdown, I was trying to uh, isolate myself from uh, just a lot of entertainment that was going along at the time because everything was just so politicized. So I was like, well, I'll go back to my roots and just start listening to these little tiny shows and stuff. And I just happened to find his, you know, I like the name. I was like, ah, don't quit your J-Bob. That's funny. And I listened to a couple episodes of it, and I just liked him. I decided to reach out to him. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, like your show. Keep doing it, you know. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Tip, uh, Paul's a good dude. I, I've been on his podcast. Um, I have yet to have him on yet, but very soon I'm going to get Paul on here. 
Um, yeah, he's based out of Pittsburgh, and uh, I've lucky enough to talk to him quite a many a times. And you know, we have mutual mutual friends in common and stuff like that. But but he's he's a hell of a guy. It, it really does seem like a whole lot of happenstance, though, because like really, I've just been like gone through a lot of agoraphobic years, you know, and stuff. I hadn't really come out much, and uh, I didn't know anything about like him having Cat Zula or any of that stuff. I just knew about the podcast and started listening to it and. Thought it was real cool and decided to send him my story. I was like, hey, if you ever want to talk sometime, you know, holler at me. And then later on, I found out he had, he had, apparently, I don't know what all Paul does. I leave, I, I try not to know what he does for a living because I like to, to pretend like he's a super agent billionaire or something with lots of stuff. Because every time, every time I find out something, it's like, oh, yeah, he's involved in this too. And it's like, how do you have the time to do that? So <laughs> people ask me the same thing. Like, not only do I do the podcast, but I have my own label. I also promote shows. Okay, I'm also yeah. married. I have three kids. I also work a job. Like people are like, John, how do you do everything? And I'm just like, I'm a superhero. <laughs> I can do anything. And you oh, know, I, just... I don't have time. Well, I guess I do have the time. I guess I, I don't know how you guys get the the motivation just to to do so much. I guess I guess that's what um, kind of fascinates me about you guys. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. You try to do one thing at a time. You know, we try to do one thing at a time and try not to, you know, some other aspects may suffer a little bit, but you know what, like you end, you end up fighting the balance and, you know, some days are, some days are better than others, right? Yeah, that seemed to be kind of like, because I picked uh, Paul's brain on that too, uh, about like, you know, how do you get so much done? And one of the first things he said was, well, I try to focus on one thing at a time and I try to move on after I'm done with it. Yep. I was like, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense because that is not how I do uh, albums. And ever since I've initiated the uh, the one thing at a time Paul method, I've gotten through this latest album pretty quickly, which was try to do one song at a time instead of build three at a time, which is what there, I normally do. There you go. Paul was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quicker. So, Well, awesome, Tim. I, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I've, I've had a really good time chatting with you. Well, I'm glad you invited me on. I'm glad you dig the music. There's a, I feel like the 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 punk and rock and metal scene has a lot of uh, a lot of really injured people in it. So I feel like I can uh, kind of reach a couple of them, even though it's not the same genre. Yeah, you know what? It's it's you know folk is very common with the with the punk scene. That a lot of a lot of punk musicians, a lot of hardcore musicians find the way to that genre, and it's because of the storytelling aspect. It's part of the healing aspect, like we've been talking about. I think you know a lot of punkers when they get older they they really try hard to let let that anger and that confusion go and you know I think and you know I think they kind of fit hand in hand with one another. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do as I get older is like the idea of uh, of actually just being a farmer or something <laughs> is like <laughs> super appealing to me. But you know, like um, I'll keep doing this for. Well, awesome, Tim. Thank you so much for coming on, man. And I and I'll, I'll definitely be reaching out to you in the future. Um, I can't wait for people to hear this episode because it was a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, I'm I'm glad you uh, invited me on, and uh, um, uh, maybe I'll see you around sometime. I'm trying to get to uh, Pittsburgh and do some shows. So, uh, 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 thanks for having me on. Yeah, hey, no problem. Some. Hopefully, maybe I'll make my way down your way. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, hey, Tim. <laughs> have a have a great night, and it was a good chat, man. It's good chatting, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Good night, man. Right, bye. Conversations using other people's words And at some point we all had to find A way to make the world feel alright And what I found is Life's not fair and I love you And what I found is Never gonna change it
It's gonna be 